Welcome to the Music Business Podcast. Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends, tactics, and insights from some of the world's brightest minds in music. I'm Jordan Williams of EQT Management. And I'm Sam Heisel from Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Yo, what's up, Sam? What's up, Jordan? How you feeling? I'm good, man. Glad to be in Los Angeles still, man. Yeah, we really, we really taking advantage of the time out here. Oh, for sure. Who we got today, bro? Miss Lisa Kasha. Lisa is the vice president of integrated marketing and digital at Epic Records. Uh, while at Epic, she's had an incredible array of experiences, having worked her way up to the vice president role over the course of I think six or seven years at Epic, which is incredible. Um, there, she helps run integrated marketing digital campaigns across a bunch of different artists, has worked with Future, Travis Scott, Megan Trainer. Um, list goes on. I think she helped launch Astro Worlds and Sicko Mode, Travis Scott's incredible uh, album and, and song, and both of which hit number one in the Billboard charts. Uh, I think it's just an incredible episode, both giving a lot of valuable high-level perspective around different shifts in the, in the music industry as it pertains to marketing, how to think about rollouts how to potentially allocate different ad budgets, what sort of metrics to track. Um, really enjoyed this. So very excited for you all to listen as well. What do you think, man? Yeah, I also think one thing that we get into is, you know, she's a VP. So we also talk about qualities of leadership that she's learned in her time, as well as people who start off as interns. How can they really stand out to people like her and really make the most of their opportunities to be where they want and be where in a position that she's in and, you know, six to seven years at their companies or maybe even less, you know. So um, definitely, obviously, we learned a lot about you know, marketing, but I'm really glad we got into, you know, how people can really progress in the industry as well. So without any further ado, Miss Lisa Kasha. Lisa, what's up? Welcome to the podcast. Super excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. I'm a big fan. Oh, oh awesome. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so obviously you work with some incredible artists. Um, I mean, Epic Records, really cool roster, doing really amazing things. What uh can you just talk a little bit about how you got your job initially and how you've yeah. uh, it's evolved into your current role? Yeah, sure. I mean, so I'm one of the few people that actually didn't start their career in music. I was on a completely different path of working um, actually in healthcare technology. I was working with a lot of like creating standards for her pharmacy and healthcare. I won't get too far down into the yeah. details. But one of the things that I did was um, I got on Twitter so that way we could communicate in real time what was happening in a lot of these meetings. You know, we were meeting with Obama's administration, Newt Gingrich, on his health care initiatives. So it was just a real fast way to get information out. Mm -hmm. And through this, um, an agency who worked on a lot of celebrities from Shaquille O'Neal to the UFC um, at The Rock, they actually picked up on some of the work that I did, started working there. And then one day I woke up and was like, I want to move to New York City and I want to work <laughs> in music. And I moved to New York and applied for a job and I got the job at Epic. Amazing. Um, cool. So how did you, what was your initial role when you started and mm -hmm. how has it evolved? Well, it's funny because my actual role, so I applied to be just a general marketing person, a product manager for people in the industry. Right. And when I had submitted my resume, the head of digital at the time at Epic had seen my resume and seen the agency that I'd worked for and mm -hmm. was like, no, I need this girl <laughs> in digital. And I was like, so annoyed by this because yeah. I was like, all right, whatever. You know, and I took the job. Um, it was an actual temp role. It mm -hmm. was, you know, a, a three-month trial to see if I was going to like it. And within the first week, I 
was signed on full time. And then within three months, I went from being a manager to a director. And then I've been kind of on a nice little trajectory. And now <laughs> I run the department at, at Epic. That's amazing. So when you think about digital and integrated marketing campaigns, how do you boil that down? What are the different kind of uh, areas of focus, if you will, for you and your team? I mean, I think the biggest thing about digital marketing, right? I mean, we'll just say digital marketing for this. It's really integrated marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, digital is one of the few departments that literally touches every other department, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Whether it's the commerce, you know, from, you know, Spotify, um, if it's, you know, press and publicity, we touch that. You know, how do we want to get the information out of what's happening with our artists? Do we want them to tweet it? Do we want them to do an Instagram post? Do we do a press release? Um, let's face it, press releases are kind of like whatever now. They're yeah, not really sure. as relevant as they used to be. Right. And then marketing. You know, I look at our department to really be like that fan engagement department mm-hmm. where we're really focused on building a fan base. Right. You know, we're really looking to get that that core fan, you know, to get super excited about what's happening with our artists and then have them spread the news for us, you right. know? Like right, you tweet right. something out and you let the fans do the work and mm-hmm. we're just sitting there. We're like, all right. Perfect. We did our jobs. <laughs> right, right. Um, so you obviously work with a lot of different genres. What's something that you see that is true across all of them? I mean, I don't, it's interesting you say across different genres, right? But right. I think that, you know, when you look at the different genres, like every genre at some point is going to be pop music, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. a matter of time as to like what that cycles out to be. Right. So I think a lot of the tactics are pretty much the same across the board. Like, at the end of the day, the fans just want their artists. They want the music. They want to feel close. They want to feel a connection. You know, I think that's the most important thing is that connection. Like, how do we really drive that, you know? And I think the greatest thing about social media is that we've really been able to do that through the artist's voice, right? Mm -hmm. Like, at no other time, I mean— just let's take a little further back. Like, yeah. I was a massive NSYNC fan, right? Same. Me too. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Okay, well, we yeah. can bye, have... Bye, 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 Oh, my bye. gosh. We can go... I literally we can memorized, have a whole other podcast about that. In that, in that video, I, like, memorized yeah. the moves they were doing. Right? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, but now, imagine that today. Like, during our time, like, we only saw NSYNC when they were on TV. Mm-hmm. When they were on TRL, I mean, that was the biggest thing, right? When they were in magazines, there was no other real place for you to go see your favorite fan. So, like, I remember I would go to school and I would put in the VCR, I mean, the VHS tape to record, like, all day until they came on that particular program. And then I would have to, like, fast forward to watch that. Like, kids today, like, they don't realize how blessed they are that (laughs) they don't have to do that. So, imagine if we had the ability to read their tweets, see their Instagram, see their stories of them walking out on stage, you know, you doing the dances, putting that up on TikTok. Like, mm-hmm. there's just so many different avenues now that people can really engage with their favorite artist. Um, how do you think that's changed the landscape for someone like you who has to mm-hmm. deal with personalities now as they develop on social media as opposed to traditional marketing campaigns? I mean, I love it. I, I personally do. I think I mean, yes, there are times when an artist like will tweet or post something and you're like, why <laughs> did you do that? And you're like, you know, and like my whole thing is like I never like deleting anything because no. then it causes it brings more attention to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But then it's like, come on, like you know better not to do that. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like you're not the thing about 
music, right? It's like a lot of people say like, oh, the label controls you, right? Everyone is manufactured. Well, here's, they're not. Like they're Mm -hmm. being their authentic self. They're being who they are. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think fans connect with their artists for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's because of like what's happening on social media. And like also like for an artist who's like super serious, you know, you see like a different side of them. Like one of the artists that I fortunately get to work on is Mariah Carey, right? Mm. Like she's a legend. Yeah. Greatest voice in the world. One of the most incredible artists of our, of all time. Right. And here she is on like Twitter, like being the meme queen, right? <laughs> like she posts whatever. Like she yeah. jumps on memes. She sees a meme. She's like, yep, I'm going to do that one. Like she jumps on it. She makes fun of herself on Twitter. She's doing TikToks now. Mm. I mean, Obsessed, a song that's over 10 years old was like the number one trending song on TikTok, right? And instead of like being like, "Mm," she's like, all right, let me jump in on this. And all these kids now are like big Mariah fans. Mm -hmm. I mean, she just had a number one, right? All I Want for Christmas is You came was the number one again in December. Every single Christmas that starts popping up. Yeah, yeah, but but number one. But number one. The the biggest song in the country. This was like a big anniversary year, wasn't it? It was, but I mean. Was it the 25th? It it was, yes. Um, But also, I mean, Mariah does like acknowledge time, so let's not say that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think even with that, like last year was number three. I mean, look at all the stuff that happened around that. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just so ingrained. And I think with like social media, it just like helps it. Right. You know, kids are using it in their TikToks. People are posting on their Instagram. People are using on YouTube. Like, it's just iconic. Yeah, it was trending on, I mean, the all I want for Christmas, like hashtag was trending on TikTok and other hashtags around Mm -hmm. it too with the song. So it's a great way of seeing how you can make catalog and I mean, that's an iconic song, but in general, yeah. just like modernize it. So it really continues to resonate. Yeah. So I we- actually love that point that you just brought up on catalog because the one thing that TikTok is doing is really bringing catalog songs back to the forefront mm-hmm. with like all these like challenges right. Right. of like decade challenges. Like one day I opened up my um, TikTok and Mask Off by Future was trending. And I was like, oh, awesome. Right. You know, we put out that song a few years ago. Yeah. Awesome, right? <laughs> And then, still stuck in everybody's head. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then I click onto the next song and Careless Whisper comes on. And I'm like, what? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, where yeah. did this come from? Right. So I actually love TikTok for that reason. Because yeah. it's like, even if a song's old, it still has an opportunity for on sure. that platform. So let's use that as a jumping point into talking about how you think about marketing catalog. Uh, I mean, obviously, like catalog. I mean, there's some absurd stat. You would probably know the, it better than I. But that mm-hmm. like a pers- the majority of revenue generated on like, uh, royalties for music is in catalog music. Yeah. Um, so how do you think about marketing catalog and making older songs relevant? I mean, it's interesting when you say that because like, you know, uh, uh, we have an entire department that works on catalog okay. marketing. Mm-hmm. But the way that I always look at it is is more so like as a frontline, like the catalog music is so significant. It's so important. So if fans can reconnect with that music, mm-hmm. then they're going to be really excited for what's coming up. Mm-hmm. Right? you know, with the next release. So it's always kind of like, you know, looking at opportunities of using those, you know, iconic songs or the songs that did really well, mm-hmm. bringing them back up to the forefront, whether it's, you know, we're doing like a quick campaign on that. Or if it's even like, sometimes we build like, you know, microsites of like people discovering little Easter eggs that right. lead to the new music, you know, right. everything ties back to it. But in terms of catalog, I think it's an avenue for us to really promote the frontline for music sure. that's coming out. Awesome. And then, so when you think about uh, 
I'd love to hear your perspective and take on rollouts, rollout mm-hmm. planning. What to you are the most va- uh, the most impactful elements of a rollout that you try to make sure you're on top of every single rollout? I mean, it's like every aspect of it, right? Yeah. Because like I said, digital touches so many different points right. of it. You know, I think the biggest thing is like one, how do we get the fans excited for it, mm-hmm. right? Like what's the teaser campaign mm-hmm. going right. to be? Like I think that is super important because if you lay that – the right way. Yeah. Like that is where you're going to get the Foundation, biggest, ex- right. the biggest excitement. Can, so, right. can you share exa- specific examples of like good teaser campaigns, if you will? Oh my goodness. I mean, there are so many different ones that we can yeah, talk yeah. about. We can talk about ones that happened in, you know, the real physical space, right. or we can talk about digital ones. Like I think Travis Scott did a tremendous job with Astroworld with those mm-hmm. heads popping up everywhere and yeah. people taking yeah. photos of them and posting yeah, them. For sure. We're making filters on them, you yeah. know? So I think, that was a really cool integrated approach, you know, because yeah. like Travis heads were popping up all over the nation. Yeah. You know? yeah that yeah. was really cool. That was dope. Yeah, yeah. You know, like other things are like super simple. Some artists will do something as simple as like, you know, like white out like their socials, right? right. Or black out their socials. And people mm-hmm. are like, oh, what's going to happen? I think yeah, every yeah. artist is different because every fan base is sort of mm-hmm. trained a different way. There's some artists who you know, will completely like black out their socials and you know new music is coming. Right. There are some that will just do like fun little teasers. Like, you know, we've done we've done campaigns where we've actually put like Easter eggs in in the little social media posts, right? Mm-hmm. So like even if it was a post, like in the background you could see there was something that was you know, hinting towards new music right. or what the first um title of this of their album was going to be. Yeah. So I think there's like different approaches, but I think that the teaser is the most important. Yeah. When do you think it makes sense not to have a teaser at all? I mean, we just saw Eminem put out this album, you know, a few weeks ago yeah. where it was like, oh, totally. the, the teaser was the whole album. Yeah, you exactly. Know? You know, it's funny that you say that because we have worked on a lot of like surprise albums that yeah. come out, like Future Never Teases. Yeah. Release. It's like he just drops it, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think he drops back to back. Oh, I know, drops back to back. <laughs> but like, like even with him, apart. like he yeah. just wipes out his Instagram and then yeah. like all of a sudden there's new music, right? Yeah. So I, I think that it just depends. Like there's some fan bases that are just so hungry for music and they drop it. And to be perfectly honest, like there are times where we don't have time for a teaser campaign. Right. We get the we get a song in and we're like, all right, we need to put it out in five days. Like you're not gonna have a teaser campaign. Right. So right. it's like what you do once you drop it and then what happens like after that. Mm-hmm. How much of what you do is helping an artist develop their brand and marketing it off of that or or just marketing it off of what their brand already is? Like, are you involved depends. in that process? Yeah, it, d- it depends, really. I mean, like, we have artists that come in that have, you know, I have more Instagram followers than they do, you know? And that, that's, <laughs> Subtle that's flex. really... Yeah. 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 I've, I've got, like, five followers, everyone, so not saying much. Look, look, you can't just come in here telling me what to do. I got more followers than you. No, I'm no. kidding. No, but you sit down, you know, we sit down and we talk about, like, what do you like? What are your passions? What are some examples of, like, artist socials that you like? Brand mm-hmm. socials. What are some things that you don't like? What are some things that you think are corny? And then from there, you know, once you start to really get to know your artist, then you can sit there and kind of guide them through it. And honestly, there have been times where we've put like artists through like social boot camp and like mm. sit down with them and like, this is how we're going to do this. I don't like this platform. Okay, well, let's spend 15 minutes and do X, Y, and Z on this platform right. until they get more comfortable with it. And then there's other artists that come in that are completely established and you know, you just look and see what they've done and kind of like work, tweak a little bit here or there. And then there's some artists who are so set in their ways um, 
that, you know, like there are so many new platforms that are coming out like TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. It's completely a younger demographic. And so my job then is to figure out how we can make them fit on those platforms with right. being authentic. And I'm not saying like for them to jump on and start mm-hmm. an Insta- or a TikTok account, but more so like how can we use that platform to showcase our artist? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I think that's one of the things that is difficult for me as a manager to figure out is when these things come up, yeah. convincing the artists, okay, maybe it's maybe it's worth you investing in this. When we're like, no, like, what yeah. am I going to do on TikTok? Sing, a, sing my own song yeah. back? You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. It's I think like that's a, important too, though. Like, yeah. you know, you don't want to also dilute or make, you know, social and, and digital, like, not fun for an artist. Right. So I think that you also have to be a little bit mindful, like, I know some artists are never going to do something on a certain platform. I'm not going to force them to jump on that platform. It doesn't make sense for them. But if there are opportunities where they don't need to be on there, that's kind of where I jump in to see like, okay, maybe we should just start an account and we'll do X, Y, and Z. And maybe we'll just like, you know, the people who are using your song on TikTok and we'll put those all on your page, you know? So like there's different ways around it. Like I never want social to be like overwhelming for any right. artist. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Right, right. When you are doing a rollout and you have a maybe a paid media budget, mm-hmm. how do you think about allocating it? Because obviously you can run like native Facebook, Instagram ads, mm-hmm. TikTok influencers, Instagram influencers, list goes on and on. What what have you found to be some of the most impactful ways of like deploying paid media? I mean, honestly, it's like uh, all over the place <laughs> at times, you know, it's like every campaign is different. Sometimes, you know, depending who the artist is, where their fan base is, like mm-hmm. that's kind of where you figure out where to allocate it. Right. Um, you know, I think it's really interesting right now, like everyone really wants to do all of this like influencer marketing, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, when I look at influencer marketing, I look at it from a perspective of like, okay, how do I know if I'm going to throw this much money that it's going to result in something, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I try to balance it out between you know, a couple different buckets. But for some artists, it doesn't even make sense. Sometimes it'll be like all Facebook, Instagram, you know, and every day we monitor and change it, right? Right. So like we'll do, you know, across the board. And, you know, if one of the ads is not performing or it's too expensive Mm -hmm. or the reach isn't there, then I'll just stop it and move the money over and then maybe try it again a little, a few days later. Totally. Um, but yeah, it's it just depends. But we do, I mean, we do it across the board. So right. Instagram, Facebook, search, YouTube, influencers. What do you, and then how do you, what do you use? I mean, how do you track performance? What are the KPIs you're paying attention to? Because it's, it is, I mean, marketing music is interesting because mm-hmm. relative to other sorts of businesses where you have digital marketing, it's very hard to yeah. attribute any sort of success. You, it's a black box as soon as you send traffic it to really Spotify. Is. You don't even know if they're opening and playing the song if I they follow don't. your link. I mean, that's the most frustrating part of the right. job is yeah. that you can only assume that your impressions that you've gotten and the clicks from those are actually resulting in a right. transaction. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's a gauge that we look at. I mean, one of the things is like, you know, just taking it back to um, Astroworld, right? Yeah. You know, Travis Scott, the night that we put out that album, I was monitoring, you know, social media. Mm -hmm. And my entire feed just like instantly became Travis Scott. And I was like, (laughs) oh, wow. Like, this is like serious, right? (laughs) Like, we've got album title. We got the album title. We got his name. We've got features. We've got lyrics, like all trending. 
So I went quickly to my dashboard and we had such an influx of traffic happening that I actually like stopped it. I was like, let's just see what happens organically. (laughs) And then we'll like go back up and like add fuel to the fire because I was just like, it was just so overwhelming how much traffic we were getting. So, I mean, that's one example of us. Like, it clearly, you know, something happened yeah, there. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, can you talk about that specific project uh, and kind of the rollout from, and I mean, what you actually can share and are comfortable mm-hmm. sharing, but like um, concepting some elements of the rollout to rolling it out to mm-hmm. kind of sustaining the momentum? Yeah, I mean, like I said, that album, you know, it started out with the heads popping up everywhere and kind of promoting that. And then really, it was a little bit silent from there until Mm -hmm. the album came out. And then from there, it was mostly just monitoring, right? Mm -hmm. Because the the fans did everything else. They were the ones who were talking about it for, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's everything started trending about 15 minutes within release, right? right? We were just like seeing all the trending topics. And then through the next morning, you were seeing more. But the interesting thing about that project was more so around, like, when we put out that album, we put it out as a whole, right? There was no focus track. There was no nothing. Right. But you saw th- immediately that everything was being referenced around sicko mode, right? right? Mm-hmm. All right. of, like, the trends. Like, people were referencing the lyrics. People were referencing. Like, you saw all these things start trending. Um, and, you know, sicko mode went on to be a massive massive song, you know? So I think that was what was really interesting about that one. It was like the teasing was there. And then what happened after that was basically the fans were like raising their hands Mm -hmm. and being like, this is the song we love. (laughs) Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. So how does your approach differ for smaller artists? I mean, Travis Scott obviously is at this like, almost at the top of the game. So, um, I mean, doing those little teases Mm -hmm. intentionally can create tsunami ripples, right? Whereas for smaller artists, it's… like, you can be intentional around the tease. Like, <laughs> For real. Five, five likes and five comments. Exactly. I mean, so how does your approach differ? Or more specifically, like, how do you think about or what are some examples of, like, campaigns you've done for smaller artists? Yeah. Well, I think with the smaller artists, I think the most important thing is fan engagement and mm-hmm. building a fan, right? Like, like I said, we get artists that come in that have no presence whatsoever. And I think the biggest thing about that is, like, now you have all of these tools at your hands, right? You have Instagram, you have Twitter, you have mm-hmm. even the TikToks of the world to really build a fan base. I'm like, right. listen, I'm like, instead of, and you know, you always have the artists who are like trying to be like mysterious and let the music speak for itself. I'm like, yo, like that, that's cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let's, let's move on from that. Like, cool. Oh, that's do- happened to me so many times. I know, right? Yeah. But I'm like, listen, like set up a search on Twitter, right? If anyone's talking about your song, if anyone's talking about lyrics from your song, if anyone says your name, you better go engage with that post. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care if it's a like, if it's a retweet, if it's an at reply, if it's a DM, like acknowledge that you've heard them because you've taken someone who heard an interest in you and now you're making them like, oh, whoa, like that person just responded to me. Like, I'm going to become a bigger fan and go discover more. And that's how you really build like a core fan base. So I think that's the biggest thing. I think fan engagement is the biggest thing. Like, and you could have zero fans, but guess Mm -hmm. what? Like when you put music out and you are getting those streams and someone tweets about it, keep doing it. Cause they're going to, they're going to retweet the fact that you responded at them. For sure. They're going to start telling their friends about it. And that's just how you start building that army. Totally. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And even just that like Twitter hack. I mean, I, 
That's great. I think it's super tactical. And mm-hmm. I think artists, I mean, I can resonate because if somebody I'm following, whether it's a musician yeah. or some influential person, thought leader, whatever it may yeah. be, like that does definitely create a stronger connection. Um, when you think about other ways to create a connection, I mean, I, I do feel like obviously like social media yeah. and the fact that artists and their fans are able to see each other, at least mm-hmm. digitally, so much more than they used to. Um, what are other ways you think about creating a connection with fans? And when do you know when to take it offline? Well, that's a great question. I think, you know, aside from social media, I I was speaking from a digital perspective. I think the Mm -hmm. other important thing is, like, get on the road. Right. Like, hit those small rooms, start performing. Like, it doesn't matter where it's at. Like, even if there's, like, five people in the room that you just made, like, five fans, if you spend, like, a couple minutes with them each, you know? I think that's the most important thing outside of social. Like, get on the road, Yeah. you Mm -hmm. know? Because, like… People always talk about like doing TVs and doing this and doing that. But at the end of the day, like when you have someone who is in the room with you and you really connect with them and they're Mm -hmm. so nice after the show and they sign and they, you know, say hi to your kid or say hi to your boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, that's where you really start building that connection. Um, And I think people should be on the road as soon as possible, as soon as they're ready. Yeah. Um, When do you think creating content comes into play? For artists and how early should they be paying attention to that? I know a lot of artists immediately yeah. think that they need a high-class videographer mm-hmm. or a high-class editor, but at what point should artists be thinking about the content in terms of also, you know, when the music is ready yeah. and that sort of thing? I think I think people should always be thinking about content. Mm-hmm. It, and I, I'm not saying like, you know, like the million dollar like music video mm-hmm. like budget. I'm thinking like what's on your iPhone, right? right. Or what a, on Android, whatever it may be. Like what are those pieces of content that you're going to put out that's really going to resonate with your fans? And, you know, the biggest thing is, like, a lot of people think that you need to have, like, this really glossy, like, beautiful million-dollar everything, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, no. Like, do what's native to the platform. Like, on Instagram, I love seeing photos that are taken with your iPhone. I love seeing videos on Instagram story that we're taking from your iPhone. Like, I don't need the high-glossy sort of, like, million-dollar budget content. I think… That's something that should never be turned off for any artist Mm -hmm. across the board. And, you know, it could be something as small as, you know, like them on the road documenting that. It could be them at home. Like, I think that that should always be at top of mind. And then as the music comes in, you know, it's always great when an artist comes in with like the music and the vision for what that song is or album is and building around that. Like Camila, when she came in, she was like, all right, my album title is Romance. This is the world I've, I want to create around it. And every single thing that we've done has kind of had this aesthetic of like romance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we basically had like a guide of what these images were that she loved. And we built everything around that. So I think it's super important um, to really have an understanding of like what you want that to be. Right. Um, you're, pr- I mean, you're probably in charge of budgets for like billboards and wheat paste and that sort of thing as well, right? Um, no, no, we oh, just okay. strictly work on all of like the digital budgets. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask, how do you think, uh, the pendulum has shifted over time, um, from traditional things like that to, to digital? Yeah. Well, I will say majority of the advertising budget is handled by digital mm-hmm. only because we're not doing traditional advertising anymore you know very rarely are tv spots taken out radio spots um billboards are still happening but billboards are more so of like 
an awareness, like vanity sort of like <laughs> approach. Like think about it. Like when you're driving down to Coachella, like everyone's sure. taking out billboards. Like what is that doing? It's like, it's yeah, just like, probably. oh, okay, cool. Like, and most of it, it seems like the majority of billboards, if it's promoting artists are like being paid for by the DSPs. Exactly. Like Spotify. Spotify Apple, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And like, it's like, Times Square, you know, right, like, yeah, for sure. of course, Very everyone's, vanity. everyone's, totally, totally. Ev- but you know what, in, you know, just to look at that, like, I actually, when I lived in New York, I actually paid attention to what was on those billboards. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, you Me know. Me too, that's how I knew when Roddy Ridge's album came out, because I was, I was like, what, because there was like a, uh, I think it's, it's called Wheat Paste, right? The yeah. thing that you, yeah, it was like near my office. Yeah. On mm-hmm. like a- I mean, it is interesting. <laughs> literally, you mentioned an artist that's recording today in the studio here at EQT, and you mentioned like part of his name and I literally recognized the name because I saw a billboard <laughs> oh, that's a day funny. ago. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I right. Think- Shout out Quando Rondo. <laughs> At least I think he's here. I hope he's yeah, here yeah, and yeah. not you just said yeah, his yeah. name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, you know, I think that's what's interesting though. I think when you look at like, you're both from New York, that's more of like, you know, where you're on your, where you're, you know, more on your feet and like you're able to like pay attention to the billboards. Like right. mm-hmm. in LA, I'm driving, like yeah. I'm not paying it. I'm like, oh wait, what, what is that? Like, I don't, I can't do that, right. you know? And right. living in both places, I can tell you that I paid way more attention to what was out, you know, in New York versus what's in LA. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I've got two seconds to look at it in LA. For sure. Right, right. When you think about playlisting, given that mm-hmm. that's kind of like a new form of digital media, new radio, if mm-hmm. you will, like, um, how do you, what is your approach to playlisting? I mean, obviously, in ideal world, it's like every priority song is getting mm-hmm. like hitting the playlist, but it just doesn't work like that. So how are you thinking about playlisting and how do you recommend that uh, aspiring musicians and management teams should think about it as well? I mean, we have an entire department that does that. Our commerce team handles all the playlisting. I think playlisting is important. You know, I think that getting into the right feeder playlist is really Mm -hmm. important Mm -hmm. um, because people are discovering music that way. Totally. I mean, that's about all I can say there. Totally, (laughs) totally, totally. How does your um how does your strategy for digital feed into something like ticket sales where Epic Mm -hmm. may not necessarily be involved? Well, I think again, like that is really important for us too, just right. because like we want people to go see our artists live because once you see an artist live and it's a great live performance, like it's, you know, it's, How you turn it, them into real exactly. Fans, yeah. It's super important to us. Um, you know, I think we are really focused on also ticket sales mm-hmm. from the perspective of like all the data that we gain from that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if a fan is buying a ticket to a show, you've got a core fan. Right. right. And so there's like, and even just like, taking it a step, like going back to the commerce side, like bundling, right? Mm -hmm. Like people are bundling ticket sales with albums. You know, I know there's going to be a lot of rule changes happening around that. But, you know, I think it's really important to get people out there. And we do help promote our artist tours. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So when it comes to um, helping artists stay relevant when they're Mm -hmm. not on cycle, how are you approaching? How do you think about that? And how do you, do you support your artists a lot then? I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we support as much as we can, right? right? Sometimes like our artists are like off cycle and they're like, hi, lose my number. Like, yeah, yeah, don't yeah, want to yeah. talk to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I think, <laughs> I mean, but that again, that goes back to, you know, what, what we do like across the board when it comes to like TikTok. And, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about catalog marketing. Like these are all avenues for us to take for us to right. make sure that like our artists are always at top of mind. And then 
obviously, like, whatever our artists are doing, they're constantly posting mm-hmm. on social yeah. media. It's not like they go completely silent. I mean, some of them do. Um, but we're constantly looking and saying, hey, like, you know, promoting what they're doing on socials. Um, but in terms of, like, being, like, on them 24-7, like, no. Like, they're, yeah, like, sure. let them enjoy. Unless if they need us, we're yeah, there. for sure. When it comes to, um, I mean, when they are on cycle, I'd be very curious to hear from your perspective. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, often, sometimes you have labels that are super proactive, helping a lot. Other times there's stories of artists that feel like they might not be getting as much yeah. support. So from somebody that's on the side of like providing the support, mm-hmm. what are areas you think artists and their team should be adamant about as far as like getting support from their label partners? I mean, listen, I can't speak for every aspect right. of, you know, because I, I don't know what happens, you know, like, yeah, I, I can't tell you, like, you know, A&R is more supportive, you mm-hmm. know, when artists right. are off cycle because they're usually in the studio. Right. For me, like, one prime example was Fifth Harmony. Like, yeah. Fifth mm-hmm. Harmony was never off cycle for me yeah. mm-hmm. from a digital marketing standpoint. They were always on. And when I say that, it's because, like, even if we didn't have music out, mm-hmm. we still had five super popular artists with a massive, massive fan army that we kept feeding that army. So they never were not getting something, right? Right. And so with them, it was constantly like, okay, what should we do this week? Let's map out what we've got. Is there a QA and a we can do? Is Mm -hmm. there a photo we can send them from breaks? You know, we were constantly feeding that fan base because we knew it was important. You know, across the board for most of our artists, I always say this, people sleep, the internet never sleeps, right? Right, 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 And so we constantly have to remember that with our artists, that like even if they don't have new music out, people are still on the internet. People are still looking at, they're looking at their competitors. Mm -hmm. So we constantly just make sure that there's always something sort of happening there. And we're constantly supportive. I mean, like, you know, artists are constantly hitting us up, even like, hey, hey, haven't heard from, can you help (laughs) me with this? Sure. (laughs) Totally. You know? I think, um, have you learned anything when it comes to, getting buy-in because I feel like lots of times like Mm -hmm. marketers can have a bunch of really interesting ideas that can just hit a like dead end yeah if the artist isn't as excited which is yeah I know so can you talk I mean in your experience Mm -hmm. getting that level of buy-in and excitement even for managers too like oftentimes managers will have very interesting strategies and it's it's not just about the merit of the idea it's about the bureaucratic side of getting others to buy in. So I'm very curious how you've navigated that like buy-in process. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting because I always say this, like we market people and they have emotion and they have complete control. It's not like, you know, we're marketing a consumer good product, you know, like we actually have someone who has a voice and opinion and can talk back and they could love an idea one day and be like, I'm not doing that when you're ready to launch. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really important to listen. Right. You know, I think you, you like I said, when we sit down with an artist, what do you like? What don't you like? What are some of the campaigns? And just like really listening, observing. And then, you know, if they have an idea, great. Right. Let's let's add to that, yeah. right? How can we always kind of enhance that idea? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of times where like we've had like amazing ideas, at least in my mind, <laughs> yeah, they've been amazing. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I've never come to fruition because totally. an artist has been like, no way. Yeah, yeah. It's like, Okay, so I just save it for another campaign, right? right and right, right. someone's going to like it eventually, for sure, right? For sure. yeah. uh, if it makes sense. Totally. But I think it's one listening and mm-hmm. then also like 
another trick is just making them think it's their idea. <laughs> so I was a, I was in sales Dude. before I was yeah, in music. Yeah. Like before I got into digital marketing, I did direct sales. Right. So it's kind of like just using those tactics of sure. like, oh yeah, that was your idea. And totally. okay, cool. I mean, even just from like a leadership perspective too, it's like telling somebody on your team to do something rather than trying to ask probing questions mm-hmm. to give them a deeper sense of investment yeah. in the idea itself. Yeah. Speaking of which, I mean, as a VP, can mm-hmm. you talk about ma- management, what it's like working with the team yeah. and trying to create a really unique team structure, yeah. a high-performing team? Yeah. I mean, I love it. Yeah. Um, I'm really lucky that my team is amazing. Yeah. I always make sure that the team is, you know, somewhat balanced and there's never any, like, everyone plays as, like, one team, right? right. So, like, even though one person on my team might be assigned another artist. That doesn't mean like another one can't jump in and have an idea or, Mm -hmm, you know, mm kind of help with that. Um, You know, the one thing that I have learned is surround yourself with the kids. Like, and when I say kids, I mean like the interns, like, I'm like one of those people who I'm like, get this intern in my office. Let me go, let me go hang with the interns. Let me go see what they're doing. Let me go listen to them because end of the day like they're the core consumer that we're going Mm -hmm. after Um, and I think that's the most important thing I also think that it's super important for people on the team to make their own mistakes Mm -hmm. because you'll never make that mistake again right you know and for us it's so you know we make a mistake and it's out for the entire world to see totally you know and so like just little things like not switching you know between the different like artist Twitter accounts or whatever, right. accidentally oh, tweeting something, you know, nice. like little simple <laughs> things like that. I mean, yeah. that's not the case, you know, for majority of our artists, right. but some artists are like, hey, can you do this for me? I'm going to be on stage or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And someone can post something wrong. But let me tell you one thing. They never forget that mistake and yeah. it never happens oh, again. For sure, for sure. For right. Yeah. Right. And then, I mean, to as you've kind of rose the ranks mm-hmm. within Epic, what do you feel are some of the traits that you've, embodied or nurtured Mm -hmm. that are separating some of the senior people in the organization from some people that are still working on developing those traits to be down in that stage, maybe later in their career. Yeah. Yeah. People from the beginning. I I think it's super important. Like, like I said, with my entire team, like the one thing that when they sit down, like when they're first starting, I'm like, you know, listen, like you're going to go as far as you want to go based on how hungry you are. Right. right? Mm -hmm. Like if you want to be in this seat one day, like, you need to work hard. Like, even if I'm like, go get coffee, like be the best coffee runner possible, <laughs> right? right? Um, and one of the things that I always say is just like absorb. And the best piece of advice I ever got in my career was make all your mistakes on someone else's dime. Yeah. You know? And so that means learn everything you possibly can. Be a sponge. You know, one of the things on my team is that we're encouraged to constantly find the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. So spend 15, 20 minutes a day going through articles. Mm-hmm. What's happening in digital marketing? What's yep. happening in marketing? Bring yep. that back. Let's assign that. We have a department meeting that basically anyone who has like something that's really cool, mm-hmm. they can talk about it. But then we also bring in other departments. Like we have publicity come into our right. department meetings. Like what's going on with you guys? Like where can we mm-hmm. supplement that? I think the great thing about Epic, just to go back to your question, is that our executives are amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, it is an open-door policy across the board. Like, an intern can walk into an office and not feel threatened by it, That's right? Awesome. And, like, everyone really, like, embraces each other and right. really wants everyone to win. For sure. So, I think, you know, I'm learning that 
by seeing that happening above me. Mm-hmm. And that's the leader that I have become and want to continue to be and be even better at that. So I think, you know, for me at least, we're very fortunate because Epic is just a really like one big family. Totally. Um, I think that the interns are super lucky in that sense too, because like I said, they can go into any office they want and have like right. a five minute conversation. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Right. That's amazing. Do you feel like you get a lot of valuable resources being a subsidiary of Sony? How do the other imprints play with each other? We is, play is very closely. Or? Oh yeah. Okay. No, we're like, I mean the digital, like I said, I don't know about all the departments, but right. at least in digital, like we have a team meeting with all the digital heads. Nice. Like across That's all amazing. the labels and we sit there and we talk. I mean, they're like two of my great friends yeah, work yeah, over at sure. the other labels, That's you know, cool. like, yeah, like we'll call like, hey, what do you think of so-and-so? Should I hire them? Yeah, nah, yeah. don't do that. Hey, <laughs> what do you think of this <laughs> platform? Fair. Get on yeah, it yeah, now, yeah. you know, yeah, like, right. we're, awesome. and it's very open. It's like, yes, there's competitiveness, but we're mm-hmm. also like a family and we also like That's are awesome. friends. For so sure. we all want to help each other. Totally. I think that's huge. I mean, even for listeners too, it's like building those alliances, mm-hmm. even if it's outside of, I mean, it's not like an imprint within a major company. It's like I working in digital marketing, yeah. I mean, we know each other. I have other people that I'll talk yeah. to on like digital marketing tactics. George's manager, tons of managers too, I think. Yeah, like managers building, are like my best friends. Yeah, build, <laughs> yeah, building those alliances, being able to like share lessons. I think it's like yeah. a rising tide lifts all ships. Exactly. For sure. And that's really important. You say that like, you know, you're friends with a lot of managers. Like we have a lot of managers that work, you know, multiple different artists across different labels. I'm mm-hmm. like, yo, this person's amazing at this label. Like, right. look out for them. You know, like, just making sure that they also feel like they're taken care of too, knowing totally. that, like, we're all friends, right? Right. And, like, we all sort of help each other out in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I, I think it's super great. Like, a, as far as digital goes at Sony, we're very tight-knit. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what's a campaign that you've been on where you just felt like you hit all the P's and Q's and everything went exactly how it was supposed to go and that you're like really proud of today? Obviously, you're proud of a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to like pick favorites, but what's one that sticks out yeah. early to you? Well, none of them go exactly the way they're supposed yeah. to. That's well, the one I, in thing. In my head, I was like, <laughs> I was zero, like right? zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but yeah. Um, right. There have been many pivots <laughs> along the way. <laughs> yeah. Many, many pivots. I don't know. There's so many different ones that we can talk about. I mean… You know, I think for me, one of my proudest moments is, you know, I got to work on Michael Jackson. So Mm -hmm. to me, that was super important. Like getting, you know, his video premiered on Twitter for the first time ever. Like that Mm -hmm. was a huge campaign Um, just because like he's one of my favorite artists of all time. So I just felt like it was an honor. Mm -hmm. Even Mariah Carey, like doing an IGTV series with her, you know, when… You know, everyone assumed like her audience was a little bit older. We did these pieces that, you know, she was prank calling a steakhouse, asking for a (laughs) vegan steak and fish, you know, like, um, you know, and it really brought to light, like, and it was kind of like the kickoff to All I Want uh, for Christmas campaign. So it was kind of like really cool to see that. Um, Having her do her genius piece, like Mm -hmm. on her like songwriting, like we worked a year on that, you know? So like talk about things that didn't go as planned. Like we worked over a year on that. Mm -hmm. Um, But the project that I think that to me is the most fulfilling has been Fifth Harmony, you Mm -hmm. know? Because I started at Epic the day they were signed. And so like, to me, it's like we both started at the same day. And we only had like 200,000 followers on Twitter. Like we actually didn't have that many. And just like building that fan army and doing like, trying all these different things that some things worked, some things didn't work. 
you know, and just like pivoting so many times, like you said, things didn't go the way they were supposed to, but we kept doing different things with those girls until it worked. And we built this massive fan army. And now you see all of the girls as they're embarking on their solo careers, like take little things that we did with Fifth Harmony along with them right. in their own solo careers. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Having worked with so many amazing artists mm-hmm. and I mean, future Travis, yeah. two of the most dominant hip hop artists yeah. today. Um, what do you think are the ingredients necessary to reach that caliber? That's a broad question. I mean, yeah. both from a marketing standpoint, I mean, it's a lot of stuff that you're helping them with, but obviously a lot of stuff they're I mean, already bringing them. to the table. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so what do you feel are those ingredients that artists should be intentional about building to create the perfect storm? I mean, I think a lot of it is the X factor, right? Which mm-hmm. no one can really build. It's just they have it, right? right. It's charisma, it's coolness. Like I remember, right, yeah. <laughs> um, I remember when I started at Epic, like, I remember hearing the melodies that Future was doing in his mm-hmm. music, right? And I was like, whoa, yeah, this yeah. guy is Ooh. cool. Yeah. And then I see him, I'm like, oh, wow, he's stylish. Like, he's yeah. so cool. Like, his music's cool. Like, I want to be a fan. Yeah, yeah. And then you see Travis, and I was like, whoa, like, yeah, yeah, what yeah. just happened, right. right? Like, so much energy, like, so… he. I mean, he's just like a musical genius to me too. Yeah. And then going to see him live, I was like, this I just I just left a rock show. Like yeah. this is a yeah. rock star yeah. on stage, Lisa you know. Was out there moshing. I was. Yeah. <laughs> and, and no joke, we were on the second level and it started shaking. And yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I am going to die here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's what is happening? I'm going out of the Travis but, Scott concert. Yeah. But you know, Checks I think yeah. I think, you know, just naming those two. I think the other thing is is like an artist really wants it. they need to work like it is not you put out a song it's not like it used to be with like you know our trl days and Mm -hmm. you know you only did a few things like you really have to work yeah and i feel like like i said the internet's 24 7 there has to be some element of you being involved somewhere right yeah for sure no that's awesome what do you see as far as the um i mean uh, the landscape will continue to evolve Mm -hmm. and and change what are some of the big things you're being intentional or paying close attention to in the next couple of years as technology and social media and digital marketing evolves? That's a loaded question. I feel like there's so many different things that we're looking at, like yeah. from emerging emerging platforms, right? Like who would have known that TikTok would have been so important to music mm-hmm. as yeah. it is today, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but if you name an app that comes out, I'm downloading it. Like I'm always <laughs> right. like in the app store downloading like sure. and deleting like, you know, when they don't work. I think you have to pay attention to that. I also think that um, what's really interesting is that the music consumer is changing because mm-hmm. there's so much music out there. Yeah, totally. Right? And so if you're not constantly putting out music, that's going to go away. You right. know, like there's the next person who's putting out music for mm-hmm. people to listen to. So I think it's, how do we get our music out to the masses right. when there's so much? How do you cut through the clutter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Amazing. Um, so what's, uh, who are you listening to musically yourself right now? Completely unbiased. Oh my gosh, completely this unbiased. Epic artist one, you know epic what? artist two. No, artist you know what? Ever. My entire, so you know like how Spotify does like the yeah. year in review? My yeah. entire… It was like Tupac. Nice. Oh, shit. And nice. Anderson awesome. Pack. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> like, so talented. Literally, the whole thing, I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah, like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, cool. yeah, that's really who I've been listening to. I think, I'm trying to think. I, I, yeah, I, I listen to a lot of Tupac. I listen to a lot of Anderson Pack. 
love R&B music. Um, So I listen to like my 90s R&B playlist that I curated and it's amazing. I'll put it up against anyone. Uh (laughs) Um, Shots fired. (laughs) Yes. Um, Do you have the opportunity and the dialogue to be, you know, not necessarily close to the A&R teams, but there's something that you find really intriguing? Do you guys have the the ability to actually share that with that team? Yeah. I mean, that's the great thing. Like I said, you know, especially where I work, it's, it's beautiful because like we're all sort of like one team. Like mm-hmm. everyone comes into different meetings. We all sit together. The a and t- un- team understands how important it is for them to understand digital. Mm-hmm. You know, they're always constantly coming in like, hey, Lisa, what can we do here? Hey, Lisa, I saw what you did here for this artist. What can we do here? You know? Um, also, the other interesting thing is, you know, like we are the ones who are listening to the fans the most. We know the fan base Mm -hmm. the most. So we know kind of like if something isn't working. But, you know, going on TikTok, right? Like you're hearing songs that like are out there. It's like, hey, have you heard of this person, right? Like we're constantly like seeing what's happening or an artist comes in. I'm like, oh my gosh, that kid is like blowing up on like TikTok or on Instagram or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think that those worlds are kind of like colliding. Like, listen, I'm not an A&R, like. I, I can tell you that already. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to go sign someone. Like, I don't have those golden years. Right, right. But I am familiar with what kids are talking about. And mm-hmm. so I think that's it's super important for them. Right, right. Um, what are some ways that interns at your company or, or people, you know, below you mm-hmm. get the opportunity to actually grow within the company? Well, I mean, for example, my assistant was an intern. Mm. And she was, I, it, I actually didn't talk to her at all. Like, I would just watch her and she was super engaged. She always had ideas. She was making great assets. She was putting together plans without anyone asking. Mm-hmm. And my team really relied on her. And every time a question would be asked, she had an answer for it, like from like a fan perspective. And finally one day I was like, I want to meet this girl. Right. And so I brought her in and I was like, so tell me more. And I was like, put together a plan for this artist. And she came in like really well thought out. And I ended up hiring her as my assistant. She's amazing. Uh, there's other ones that are incredible on TikTok. And I'm like, so show me what's happening on TikTok today. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, look at this trend. I'm like, what yeah. does this mean? And they're like, yeah, oh, well, sure. it means X, Y, and Z. And they're explaining things to me. I'm like, I don't get it, but okay, cool. Right. Um, and then some are just like so ingrained in culture. They can tell you what's cool before it even happens. Right. Like, We've had interns who have turned us on to, like, massive influencers before they were even, like, that big. They mm-hmm. had, like, a couple hundred thousand followers. Mm-hmm. Awesome. awesome. I guess one last question on my end is, uh, as a, I mean, working at a label, mm-hmm. tons of different artists, always, nonstop, I'm sure, it feels like. How do you and your team, um, what have you learned when it comes to staying ahead and staying on top of a constant, like a never ending sea of upcoming priorities? It's a million dollar question. I mean, you might not have like the answer, but like, obviously how you approach it today, I hope is better. Like, you've yeah. evolved. <laughs> I mean, who isn't a priority though? Right. right? Like, right. how do you tell a manager that your artist is not a priority? Right. Well, no, more, right? more so not, not picking which artists are priority. You and your team managing all of the priorities, staying proactive, staying mm-hmm. ahead, making sure you're effective and productive. Yeah, in that regard. Yeah. I mean, we just do it. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I really don't. We just know how to do it. Like, yeah, yeah. I think it's, you know, 
you can't like even when I've tried to like carve out times for certain things, it doesn't work mm-hmm. because, like I said, our brand is a human being, right? And so whenever they're they need you, yeah, you yeah. need to be you attentive, gotta, sure. right? So I think it's like one, like blocking out all the other noise, mm-hmm. right, and just staying focused on what we have to do. Yeah. But then there's also opportunities of like. We do have to take those breaks in the day to figure out what's happening, what's trending, mm-hmm. what's like the next big thing. Um, I think I don't know how to explain. It. I really don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to say it, but we just do it. Yeah, that's awesome. I don't get a lot of sleep. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's one thing. Like yeah, we're yeah. constantly working. We start our days really early, and they go pretty late. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the only thing I can say. Yeah, for sure. No, that's. <laughs> but awesome. everything gets done. Yeah. And yeah, everyone's yeah. usually happy. Hopefully happy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. Amazing. Um, well, Lisa, thank you so much for coming Thanks on. Thanks for having me. It's been a really thank incredible you. conversation. Very excited for you, all your artists, and future thank looks you. bright. Yes, thank you. Thanks. Boom. All right, thank you. I thought that was dope, man. Yeah, that shit was hot fire. Yeah, man. I think I think when we get digital marketers on here, especially, I think this landscape is changing so much over time that it's starting to become a part of the industry where people can approach it in very different ways and the way that they do it and the creativity that they bring to it is completely can be completely different from their counterparts at different labels. So um, it was super interesting getting her perspective on things, you know, the metrics that she was tracking and the way that she goes about interacting with artists, you know, even, you know, her down to saying that she doesn't like deleting things, you know, and mm-hmm. obviously working with personalities and how many times people tweet something or or post something on Instagram that maybe they shouldn't have done from a marketing standpoint, how she just kind of rolls with it and pivots whenever she needs to. I thought that was a super good, super good perspective to have on it. Yeah, for sure. And I'm really grateful for her perspective has been able to work with so many incredible artists. I think how she approaches and really thinks about like teasing songs, really appreciated that. I mean, I definitely always think there's kind of like, you have like a tease phase where you're trying to build up hype and anticipation, a right. launch phase where you're trying to make a big moment when it does actually launch, and then kind of the sustain and amplify phase where you're really trying to continue momentum. I mean, sometimes I think Stormzy, Stormzy's recent album hit number one in the UK charts four, three to four weeks after the album had initially relaunched, which is incredible. Just a testament to the fact that like once something releases, doesn't mean marketing stops, right? You continue yeah. to push, continue to grow it. I also really love the tactic she shared when it comes to like fan engagement, doing what you can in order to really nurture those relationships, fans, even even if it means searching on Twitter to see who's ever talking about you and going engaging with them, liking right. their content. I think that stuff goes a long way. Literally, at the end of the day, like your success as an artist or manager or helping an artist blow it really boils down to this fan connection, fan yep. relationship, and yep. scaling that in a, in a deep, personal, authentic way. So. Uh, really enjoyed this and as always really appreciate all of you for tuning in uh, we out here together one team one dream thank you <laughs> teamwork make the dream work there it is we'll see you next week <laughs>